what a privilege it is to be in his presence this morning. I want to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you to High Point Church. So glad to have our first time guest with us. We're so delighted for the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Let me again, as it has already been stated, uh, invite you to stay with us after the service and uh, have a time of fellowship and lunch here in the fellowship hall. And uh, we'd like to get to know you a little better and like you to fellowship with us and we with you. Amen. Again, I'm not trying to hide my eyes with these dark glasses. As I mentioned Wednesday night, I broke my other glasses, just destroyed them, and uh, I haven't uh, been able to get new ones yet. So and, uh, hopefully by next week I'll have these dark glasses where they belong on the visor of my vehicle. <coughs> and, uh, this buzzing noise you hear off here to the, to the outside of the building, don't let that alarm you. That's been going on since about 7, 7.15 this morning. But they're doing a marvelous thing over there. Amen. They're cutting out all them big old tall hedges that were down in a block, the view of this building, from coming up Lithia Pinecrest Road. So God must have spoke to somebody's heart and told them to get them things cut down. And we're appreciative of that. So just kind of ignore that over there. Let them do their thing. And uh, <laughs> it'll, be, uh, it'll be to our advantage. Praise the Lord. Shall we stand together? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this privilege and opportunity that we have, that we have been a lot afforded the opportunity to come together here to worship you, to praise you, to lift up and exalt your worthy name. We're thankful for the service thus far, for the tremendous teaching that we have heard this morning, for the praise team and the outstanding job they have done in the praise leading of our praise and worship this morning. We thank you today, O oh God, for your presence that has permeated this place. I pray as we stand before you this morning, as we come to this time of the ministry of your word for a few moments today, that you will anoint your servant, that you'll just take charge of my mind and, and, and these lips that we might speak as you would have us to speak today. And you would anoint each one today to receive, and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray today. Before you're seated, what I'd like for you to do is turn to someone close by you and look at them. Just look them right straight, straight in the eye and say, I must unmistakably know him. I must unmistakably know him. Say it one more time. I must unmistakably know him, and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I appreciate the job that the worship team has done this morning in our worship. Just a beautiful time, the presence of the Lord here in the house this morning. I want to start out a little bit differently than what I normally do. When I preach, and I want to start by getting a little congregation interaction. Now, don't get nervous now. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot or embarrass you. But uh, I want to begin with a couple of questions uh, to kind of get us in the frame of mind and the thought process that we need to get into. And I'll address the ladies first, since that is the appropriate and the right thing to do. And uh, 
most of you here have had a spouse for a number of years. And uh, when you met that individual, you chose to be your companion for life. Uh, hopefully you chose them to be your companion for life. There were certain things that you knew about them academically. You knew their name, hopefully, their phone number, their address, their parents. You went through that process of learning the academics about that individual. Is that right, ladies? And probably at that point, now remember, we're looking back in retrospect, so it's easy to agree with what I'm about to say here right now, but picture yourself back then at that time. I know it's some of, for some of us it's a, it's a long way, it's a long reach back. But imagine when you and this individual decided to share your life together, you thought with all accurate and intended purposes that you knew them. Amen. Now, please, I'm not trying to trap or anything, but I know when I met my wife, we, we met each other as sophomores in high school, and I just went in, the dashing young man that I was, and just swept her off her feet. <laughs> I know y'all ain't going to believe that. I, I can see it right now. And uh, I met her, and we began this relationship, and I found out who she was. You know, I, I was so shy and backwards back then, I couldn't go up and talk to her. I had to have somebody come... You know, I'd write a note to a friend of mine and tell her, you know, I liked her. You know, you know how that went. I know y'all don't believe I was ever shy and bashful either. But, but as I, we got to know one another, we got to know one another on an academic level. She knew a little bit about me, my name, who I was, and that I was, uh, you know, this type of individual for all intent and purposes. And she, and vice versa, I knew her, her, who her parents was and that they didn't like me and and, and so forth. And I knew all those things academically. Now, gentlemen, when you met the lovely spouse that you're married to, you thought that she could cook. You were under the assumption that she knew how to take care of the house. And you were under the assumption about what you knew academically that, uh, uh, you know, the knowledge you had was basically who she was. And you had her telephone number memorized. And you had her address memorized. And you know, you wrote two or three letters to her a week and told her how much you loved her and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> Wow. You thought you knew her. I tried to tell my brother-in-law about my late sister. When he started dating her, she can't keep her house. I said, she don't. You know, we, we, we assume these things that, you know, this young, dashing young man that you're looking at, he, you, you know who he is and what he is. He's kept his car nice and clean. Every time he's come and picks you up to take you out on a date, I mean, he's, he's looked nice and he's, because he's, he's trying to win you. But then after you begin this relationship together, you, fight, you, you begin to learn some things that are beyond the academic level. A amen. You begin to learn some things about this individual you chose to be your spouse, whether you're the, the male side of this companionship or whether you're the female side. You begin to learn some things from experience that you didn't know before. For example, my wife learned that I was one of these neat freaks and I, I you know, one of these perfectionists that everything had to be just right. I, now, I'm serious when I tell you that. I'm, I'm, I'm not messing with you. She did not realize that prior to our developing this relationship together. 
And I began to learn some things about her, about her sincerity and her committedness and her her, I began to learn some things about her as an individual that I didn't know from an academic level. The folks that we were associated with, the folks that we run around in high school, they told me who she was, about, a lot about her, uh, uh, this sort of thing. And I, I understood her from an academic perspective. But when we began to share our life together after we got out of high school and we decided to marry and, and, and against all of our parents' admonition, we, we, we did anyway and and uh, we begin to develop a life together. We begin to learn things about each other that can only come experientially. Amen. We learn things about each other and, and the nature of one another that we did not know before. But we only knew each other on an academic level. You see, we can know Jesus Christ from an academic perspective... But then we need to also know him from an experiential perspective. You see, I can tell you what Jesus Christ has done for me. I can tell you he is a provider and that is academic knowledge that I am sharing with you. And I'm telling you what I know about Jesus. I am telling you, I can tell you he's a friend that sticks with you like no other. I can tell you that he's a healer. I can tell you he's a provider. I can tell you that he is all of these things that I know him to be experientially, but to you they are only academic because until you have come that road, till you have known him through salvation, you really don't know him from, but only from an academic perspective. We can read the Bible from cover to cover, but only know him academically. Amen? So how many of you think now when you married this loving spouse that you're now married to, you learned some things that you just had not just woo? You found out that that handsome young prince that come and swept you off your feet, he'll come through the house, he'll leave stuff lay all over the place, he's a cluttered mess, he traces everything up. And you thought he was this neat guy that kept everything right, just everything so-so. He always showed up looking good. Now you come to find out he's got dirty, nasty fingernails. He don't because you knew him academically. But now you're learning experientially what this individual is all about. You young men, you, you dashed in, you swept this beautiful, gorgeous lady off her feet and you thought you was marrying the chef of all chefs to only find out she can't boil water without burning it. Now you're... Because you're going from academic knowledge to experiential knowledge. You're going from associating what people tell you of what you see on a superficial perspective to something far more deep and far more intimate and far more sustainable than what you knew. Amen. Dating in high school when I told my wife that I was going to be a preacher, I mean, she just could not get her mind wrapped around that because she knew me academically. Boy, I knew she'd say amen on that one. And I wonder today how many folks go through life with only an academic knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. 
Amen? We must know him beyond the academics, beyond the fact that someone told you that he is this or he is that or he can do this or he can do that. Amen. It's, we must witness and we must tell folks who Jesus is and what he is and what he will do. But at some point, you're going to come to the place where you realize, I need to know him beyond what someone else has relayed to me. I must know him for myself. Amen. You see, I must unmistakably know who Jesus Christ is and what he will be and what he can do. You see, I can tell you all about healing. I can stand here and tell you all about how he can heal my body, how he can save me, how he can provide, and he's a way maker where there is no way. But until you experience him for yourself, it's only academic knowledge. The preacher said it. I'm okay with it because the preacher said it. But when you live through it and you come to realize he is all of these things and more, then you begin to know him experientially. Hallelujah. So my wife and I were married and we began to develop a relationship and some 30 Nearly 38 years now, we have been partners and we have shared our life together. I've learned so many things about her and, and her, the beauty of the person that she is that I just never could see knowing her from an academic perspective. Amen. You see, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 15 through 23, and I, I don't know how much of this, I've got about six pages of notes and outlines here, but... I know time doesn't permit me to go through all of it. We'll see where we go and we'll stop in a little bit. Paul writes, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand, in the heavenly places, far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hallelujah. You see, an individual who plans on or hopes to have an eternal or have, have eternal life must clearly and unmistakably know who God is and who Jesus Christ is. In fact, Jesus said this regarding eternal life in John 17 and 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And this was his prayer over his disciples just prior to his being led away to Jerusalem. Now, please allow me to take just a moment and point out one very important fact. You cannot know God in his fullness and not know Jesus Christ. Amen? And on the other hand, to know Jesus Christ is to know God. We're okay there, right?
Amen. You see, God revealed himself and all that he is and all that he is going to be to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said this, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? So I understand all of this to mean that we must accept and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as our God, our friend, and our King. Amen? Now let's talk about knowing Him from an academic perspective for a few moments. You see, in my opinion, there are these two primary things that I've talked to you about, two levels in which we can know Jesus Christ. The first of which we're going to deal with is academically, and the other is, I've already mentioned, experientially. Aside from the Bible itself, we are inundated with books about God, about Jesus Christ, about the Holy Ghost, and all of these other things related to Him and knowing Him. In this era of technology, it, you know, it's very easy to gain an academic knowledge of who Jesus is. Amen? We don't have to work hard at it to gain an academic knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. But please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I believe that an academic knowledge of Jesus Christ is necessary. That's where we must begin with the academics. I think at some level, we all begin by knowing Jesus academically. I, for myself, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a minister's home. And from the very time I was old enough to remember I knew about Jesus Christ. I could quote scriptures at a very young age. My grandmother, if you was in her Sunday school class, you learned how to quote scripture. You learned how to memorize it. These were academic perspectives and things that I knew from an academic, from an academic level. Amen? You see, it's not difficult at all to know about Jesus, but I must tell you, you will never be satisfied with just to know about him. You will never be satisfied. Your spirit will never have that longing and that hunger fulfilled until you get to the place where you do more than just know about Him. Amen? Aside from all of the independent studies and writings about Jesus Christ, the latest edition, I find, I find this fascinating, the latest edition of Encyclopedia Britannica uses 20,000 words in describing the person of Jesus Christ. 20,000 words. Now, if you were to get a hold of that and you were to memorize all, I don't know if there's anybody here can memorize all those 20,000 words or not, but if you were able to do so, you would have an acute academic knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is, but yet you still may never know him. Amen? In fact, his description took more space than was given to Aristotle, Cicero, Alexander, Julius Caesar, Buddha, Confucius, Mohammed, Napoleon, Bonaparte. The, he took more space than all of them. See, throughout biblical history, boys and girls, men and women were trained and taught about God. Amen. It was part of their culture. It was part of their lifestyle. In fact, in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, the words were, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And these words which I command thee this day, the Lord says to them, shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently. Unto thy children, and shall talk of them, and when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house and thy gates. In other words, you need to eat, live, breathe, sleep the word of God. They, history records that they knew him academically. 
Historically, they understood him academically. But there was not all of that many throughout biblical history that understood him experientially. Amen? There's no doubt in my mind that Moses was taught about God and who God was and the ways of God beginning in a very early age by his own mother. And I think it's evident that Moses knew God by the very fact he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God. Amen? When Moses was at the burning bush, he asked God, he said, Listen, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say to them, The God of your father sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is thy name, and what shall I say unto them? What am I going to tell them? What am I going to tell them I know about you? What am I going to say regarding our relationship and our experience and, and who it is that gives me this authority. God responded to Moses in, in his question in this fact. He said, you tell him, I am that I am. Now, now to us Westerners, that, that unless you've studied this and know a little bit about it, it kind of sounds a little, little unusual. He said, you tell him, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall I say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. You see, when God said to Moses, I am who I am, he is saying, I am the eternal one. I will be what I will be. In essence, he is saying, I am everything, Moses, that you will ever need. I'm everything that you're ever going to want. Everything that you, you can ever possibly imagine, I fulfill the bill. Amen? And it was during the next 40 years of Moses' life that he came to know God experientially as Jehovah, the great I am. <laughs> 